You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Gene. Johnson. The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California. Presented by Maria Man- and Bing.com and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Scandal After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424-256-1729. That's 424-256-1729. Uh... And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's After Buzz TV Scandal After Show. Hello, welcome everybody. Tonight you'll be watching the After Buzz TV After Show for ABC Scandal. Uh, today we're going to be recapping episode 17 of season 2, Snake in the Garden. I'm your host, taking over for Emil today. He had uh, other obligations. I am Cornelia, and I'm joined here by the wonderful... Hey, everyone. I'm Sophia Stanley. What up? I am Bam Erickson. And like we, like I just said, guys, Emil had other obligations. We're so uh, disappointed that he couldn't be here. But we're going to take over and go along like we usually do in true Gladiator style. So we're going to get right into it. Um, so first we're going to talk about the Hollis kidnapping. So when the episode started in regards to Hollis, he walked into uh, Olivia Pope and Associates with his ex-wife and they got information about their daughter being kidnapped. So the beginning of the situation showed that Hollis was a little standoffish about it. He didn't really believe what was going on. He thought his daughter was just playing him for a fool. And his wife was the only one who was trying to take this situation seriously. What do you guys think? Because I was from the beginning, I was a little weirded out. Like He, he came initially saying she's just using me for my money. And the wife was like, really? Like, what do you guys think about that? Um, and I'm going to be the very unpopular one this episode. I was 100% with Hollis. And the reason being is, no matter how we feel about Hollis, there's almost no way that he could have gotten to the position that he is and be this oil tycoon and basically have free access and a free pass to the White House with all that he's done if he was not a very good judge of character, even if it had to do with his own child. So I think he knows his kid. And I think that his kind of bravado with the situation was simply because... Of, his, of not only his child's track record, but more importantly, look at his own track record. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So it's like the apple doesn't far, far, fall far from the tree. Like if you kind of are a little bit shady and a little bit grimy, you kind of have a tendency to think everyone is shady and grimy. So even though my gut was like, oh my God, I can't believe he believed his kid, part of me is like, oh no, all, all of the little crumbs are there. You know, she'd been in rehab. She had done all those things. And I mean, hello, she's a kid <coughs> getting an allowance beyond most people get. And then she has the audacity to be like Bonnie and Clyde. Like, just like Olivia said, like, you spoiled brat. Like, boo-hoo, nobody feels sorry for you. You're, like, out robbing people? I don't, yeah. I knew from the moment that... Um, his daughter, played by Andrea Bowen, who used to be on Desperate Housewives. I know that because why? <laughs> Desperate Housewives. You love Desperate Housewives. And I noticed that there's. I noticed that it, it seems like when you are when you have an ABC job, they always keep you in the loop. So yeah. because they're know. the best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I knew from I knew from the jump that 
there was something that was wrong with this situation. Hollis waited 24 hours before revealing to anyone that this tape existed. Right. And let's do a little backstory about the daughter real quick. The daughter was 25. She was a drug addict. She had five stints in rehab. She they said that she started on the wrong path with her boyfriend. Like Sophia said, um, they were like taking on this role of this this bougie Bonnie and Clyde couple. Um, and then Hollis, while they were you know doing this investigating, Hollis said, it'll be a cold day in hell before I pay a red cent for that for that gal's hiney. <laughs> so he was already saying <laughs> I'm not down with this at all. I was just, um, to me, it was interesting to even see once the ear came and they figured out that it was her in the picture. Like, when didn't they send up? They sent the mm-hmm. picture. They sent the, yeah. He was but, still a little standoffish, right. a little. No, no, no. I think that before, when, when, when they received the ear, he was still standoffish. When they received the picture, that's yeah, when, he when he completely he, did a 180. And that's when he became the concerned father. He cried. He had his moment with uh, he had his moment with Quinn, and he was like, you know, you know, that's I forgot what he said, but he said something like, you know, that's my baby, that's my child, or something. So that's when the compassion. That was his moment where finally he came to grips that okay, this is real. My daughter is really in trouble. Mm-hmm. And so that's when he felt the compassion finally it, it hit him. But again, you can't blame him. You can't blame uh, you can't blame Hollis for it taking so many steps in order to believe that this is actually happening to his daughter because of her track record. Right. So her track record, you know, for parents, you know, there are those moments where when we hear things, there are certain things we believe like, oh, you know, so-and-so happened at school today. Mm, no, I don't. You know, you know, your child is basically is my point. You know, your child. He knew his child. And so it took for the ear completely to be off for him to finally get, come to grips, because like uh, like we said, when we when he initially saw the ear, he was like, that's not her ear. Yeah, he immediately br- he immediately brushed it off. And let's insert David into this scenario mm-hmm. real quick because if we go back a little bit, David was staying at the office because at the beginning you saw that someone broke into his apartment. He walked into the apartment while the person was still there, so he was hiding on the floor. They get back to the office a couple scenes later, and he's staying on the couch. But throughout their investigation, David was chiming in as the voice of reason from the white hat perspective. And Huck had an interesting monologue in that, that, um, that scene. When, when David suggested that they go to the police, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he had, he suggested that they go to police and Huck basically said, if I were a smart person or if I were anyone else, I wouldn't go to police. I would go to us because if you go to the police, then there's bodies. He basically gave a rant, a rundown of everything that would go wrong with the police versus with with Pope and Associates. And I, I thought that was good for David to hear because David, had he sees what goes on from the outside, but to see them actually work and to see why people go to him, I thought it was about time that he heard that because it seemed like David was just there like a little gnat. He was like that gnat at a barbecue where he was just buzzing around. You're like, dude, I'm trying to eat. Like, you know what I mean? He was just there in the mix. But again, David's a lawyer. True. And so he thinks like a lawyer. And so this is a great this is a this is great for David's character to see the other side because he's only used to seeing when Olivia is in that moment when they're about to take something down. He doesn't see the perspective. He doesn't his his uh, his frame of mind is different. 
So it would make sense that he would make those opinions and those uh, comments based off of his side of the perspective. So I, I thought that was I thought it was good. But then also now he may have been in that. But there were some times when he was very helpful, especially um, he, Abby and, and Harrison's relationship. They were they were all really chummy. Yeah. They and were. so he, he there was some good there were some times where he gave good points and he was helping. So he was a, a gnat, but he was helpful sometimes. Now, do you think question for you guys? Because David saw that and he saw a different perspective and he pretty much has nowhere to live. Do you think he'll eventually become a part of the team or hasn't that have we discussed that or has that been something no, that's been mentioned on Twitter? No, I, I think it's both. I think it's been discussed on Twitter. We haven't really gone in depth mm-hmm. with it. Um, I definitely think that that's where they're leaning. And mm-hmm. I think that to piggyback on, on both what you're saying, Keneally, and what you're saying, Bam, is he I think he finally saw the humanity. Mm-hmm. And even though I think he he knows that Olivia wears the white hat, and I think that's why, regardless of what he says about her, his actions always show that he thinks that she basically does fix things, mm-hmm. right? But I think that right now, wherein before, quote-unquote, the law in the way that he knew it, that was his family, mm-hmm. right? So to even juxtapose, and I'm just going to skip ahead for a second, when Osborne was saying, this isn't my job, this is my, is my duty, mm-hmm. I think that's how David had previously felt about his job and his role. And then he saw that that all basically go to crap, right? So he kind of, in essence, needs a new family, right? Mm -hmm. He needs a new code of ethics, a new code of honor. And I think that in that situation, especially just to to piggyback off of what you said, Bam, being a lawyer, he understands numbers and he understands logic. And Mm -hmm. And when Huck basically said, we have never lost someone, those are powerful odds, and then went on to say that the minute you call the police, the more t- the the rate of survival goes down fifty percent. Mm-hmm. That's something that any logical linear thinker can understand. So I think they're definitely positioning him, and even just you know the, the the little banter with him and Harrison in the kitchen in terms of brushing his teeth. It also shows how comfortable he feels. Mm-hmm. And then you know towards the end when they're all eating together, they kind of did one of those looks at each other, like you know we did a good job. So I definitely think they're angling that way. But also. He was beyond comfortable. He was eating, I don't know if it was a bowl of cereal, while Huck had that dead ear investigating and looking like he's clearly comfortable. But also, too, I think... No, go ahead, Camelia. No, I'm just laughing. It was funny. He was just... Yeah, I think, I think, I, I mean, I definitely agree that he was comfortable. But also, too, let's not forget who David is. Like, David isn't some random guy. Like, David still was, was previously the USDA. Like, mm-hmm. so he, he's used to dead people. And yeah. I don't mean it to sound as it is, but that's kind of why he, he also seemed like a gnat, because... This isn't scary to him. Mm-hmm. What I actually was was a little bit troublesome to me were two things, and I don't know if we're going to talk about them. To me, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm going to get crap for this, the, the, it wasn't frenzied enough for kidnapping, mm-hmm. right? Just in general, like everyone's energy. Like they, even the, the way that the young lady, um, I think her name was Tracy, came in with, his, with um, Hollis's mail and his food and so forth and so on. Like, isn't anyone tracking someone? So presumably if it is a real kidnapping, you suspect everyone. In order to have a kidnapping of that level, you have to have an inside person, mm-hmm. right? So you should be screening everyone. You shouldn't just be allowing some assistant to walk in and drop things off. And even the way she was like, oh, there's a package for you. Nobody heard that. It's a kidnapping. Like this this was textbook. Like, of course, it's going to be a finger or an ear, right? And I really had a problem with the devil being the client. Olivia's response that even the devil loves their kids. It's, I, 
I, I I literally looked up like that's not a response. Well, especially because everyone in the office except Abby seemed to voice some type of discomfort with the situation. As soon as Hollis came in the door, um, Quinn had she went her face went white. She looked like she saw a ghost and like she wanted to vomit. <laughs> then Harrison asked yeah. as well. And then Olivia tried to get rid of Quinn by saying, you know, you've been um, you've been doing your investigation. You've been up all night. Like she, Olivia knows why she had to get rid of Quinn, you yep. know. But then but then why take Hollis? Like, seriously, like, I'm not trying to be funny. Like, let's legitimately put this into perspective, okay? Hollis Doyle was the reason, arguably, that this entire defiance happened, right? Mm -hmm. So all the dominoes start with Hollis. Now, ironically, Hollis is the last the least culpable because Hollis is Hollis, right? So I'm not actually blaming it all on him, but I'm just saying that without him, all of these other things wouldn't have come into play. But more importantly, I think that everyone's brushing over the fact that regardless of Quinn's life now, like, he almost killed yeah. Quinn. Yeah. And he killed her boyfriend. And he killed her boyfriend. Do you know what I'm trying to say? And not only her boyfriend, but she's now subsequently, and I can't recall, but come to realize that he wasn't actually cheating, cheating on her. So at least before when there was some semblance of, oh, I hate him, but I love him because he passed away. Mm-hmm. Now you realize, like, this whole thing was a setup. I don't know. I think it was a little bit condescending even for Olivia <clears throat> to to try to make her go away because I think it, it felt to me a little bit like she was choosing versus I slightly need Olivia to kind of say like directly to Quinn, like you either need to get over this or they need to have a conversation, but they've never actually had the conversation. conversation. And where was big blabbermouth um, uh, Abby of all the episodes when she's yapping at the mouth and she has something to say about something she doesn't like, she not she was not she was not the the fire you know Abby that always wants to go at Olivia. Like this was the time to really give Olivia the business for taking on Dole as a um, as a client. But keep in mind the conversation last episode that she had with Harrison when she said, "I knew I she when she basically said." I knew what it was, Mm -hmm. but now I'm going to act like I know what it is. So Abby's demeanor, it seems to everyone in the office, has changed. She'll still be Abby and she'll still ride for Pope and Associates. But when it comes to going that extra mile emotionally and chiming in and voicing her opinion and making sure everybody knows, it seems like she's over it. I get that. But I'm just saying in this instance, I'm I'm agreeing with you, Sophia. Why the hell did she take this case? Right. So, so yeah. this should, you know, yes, she's fallen back, but this, out of out of any client, this should have been the time where it would have been appropriate to say, "Live, girl, hold on." But I, but I think, but the funny thing is, and I'm going to talk out of another side of my mouth. I think. Even though I think that I have an issue with Olivia taking the case, I don't think it should have been Abby for exactly what Cornelia said. I think Abby has fallen in line. She basically knows how the rules are played. I think it's more important, though, that again, again, yeah, yeah, but again, Hollis of all people. Do you know what I mean? And they said it. And and not only, obviously, did I think it's important to show that Quinn said something to Harrison. Harrison usually doesn't take things then to Olivia. He did a slight square off with Olivia, mm-hmm. like even his body language, the way that he came in front of her. And he was like, why, why are we taking on the devil as a client? Like he used her exact words. And I think that that was very pertinent. Like whenever they mimic words, they're doing it not only for emphasis, but it really is that he's, he's, he's champion, championing on behalf of Quinn. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. and, I, and I just think that the entire 
the entire arc of the story for me fell flat because again, here you have Hollis who has eight children, five wives, right? It's supposedly his favorite ex-wife, this kid that you just continue to throw money at regardless of the however many stints, right? Then obviously you, you feel some kind of a pang of guilt because you actually think she was kidnapped. Then you have that overjoyed feeling because she was successfully recovered minus quote unquote an ear, but then you find out that not only was it not her boyfriend who staged it, but that she staged it mm-hmm. and cut off her own ear. To me, that whole conversation like money or family. Well, obviously, she already decided. Mm-hmm. Do you, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, you have given her no family structure, even though I think that Liv's point was correct, like you're a spoiled brat. But you've given her no foundation to not walk away from $20 million. So what, now things are going to be different? Because first of all, you didn't believe me, even though I was lying. You still didn't initially believe me. That's why I had to cut off my ear. But you, cut off your ear. But I think Doyle was he. That was he had. He, where else was he going to go with this? Like you know, it's either okay. You you get he he basically gave her the option for the last for the last time in case maybe she wanted to change her. Like I, I think I just think that was. That was pretty much the only thing that he can say because his daughter, she's she's gone. She's a lost cause. So kind of like a like a one last one last try, you know, twenty million or the family. But this time, after what she did, I think he felt like his reasons for how he felt about her was justified for for the fact that she cut her ear off. And so, where else was he going to go? What was he? What else was he? Um, what else was he supposed to say? And real quick, add adding on top of it. So I agree with what both of you are saying. If you've dealt with anybody with an addiction, at some point you have to draw the line in the sand and say it's either going to mm-hmm. be this or this. So when Hollis was like, "I don't believe her. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that," that sounded like be- like the behavior of a father who was like. You keep using, car- you keep smoking crack, or you keep uh, doing coke, or I'm over it. I'm over it. But like, like you, Sophia said that the ultimatum at the end, it was, it's, it was still a little like, okay, she's gonna take the money, mm-hmm. okay, right? Because she even said, she said, uh, oh, she's like, my choice is of twenty million dollars. Like she, before she even answered, that pretty much was her answer. Yeah, and I think and I think that there would have been a difference, and even just and we've talked about this again and again, but just how much Olivia uses words or situations in her personal life, and then uses that same dialogue with it with clients. Um, this to me was the first time that it fell flat, and I didn't I didn't think that it fit because again I think that ironically, and I'm just going to be the cold one here. They should have told her to kick rocks. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I like, they seri- no, they, they should have told Maybell, kick yeah, rocks. Like, seriously, like, this is egregious. Do you know what I mean? And it's one thing to have done it to your father, but to have done it to your mom, who, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. I just, I really kind of, there, there's no, there was no sympathy for me there. It's kind of like, yo, I'm not even giving her another, sh- another chance. Like, because if you can't live off of $20 million, you need to not come back here. No. Like, because you, you already, you already chose. What's interesting is, Sophia, I'm going to disagree with you because just last week I said Olivia was out of pocket. Sit down. Shut your mouth. Stop always. But I felt for this. I felt for this one. I was like, OK, I'm going to agree with you to to speak up because I could have just killed. I could have took the other girl's ear off because she just annoyed me so much. I. But from the perspective of the daughter, but I get what when you're Olivia saying. was giving her speech, the daughter is probably like, girl, shut up. 
up. Mm. Like that. You can't talk to someone and and level and reason with them who just tried to cut their own ear off. This girl was she had she came out the hospital with the bandage on, ready to go. No, but she seriously, it's done. They should have yeah. cut her. Yeah. They, no money. Kick rocks. Like you said, we could talk about this all day. Yeah. Gladiators, if you want to chime in, you know, hit us up on Twitter. We'll keep this conversation going because, you know, this is a very it's a touchy subject. But I mean, because Hollis is the devil. Yeah, but yeah, but all you can either go on Twitter, you can go on YouTube, or more importantly, you can go to iTunes. Simply by going to www.itunes.com in the upper right-hand corner with the search function, you simply type in After Buzz TV Scandal, and our podcasts come up. And what you can do is you can rate, comment, or subscribe. Again, you can rate, comment, and subscribe. So you can comment on the show, how well we're doing. But more importantly, you can talk about your theories, whether or not Olivia was right to take Hollis as a client because everybody needs fixing and even the devil loves their children or whether or not Olivia was out of pocket this time and she kind of overstepped some boundaries possibly um, with the other associates but more importantly Quinn. So again you just go to iTunes.com After Buzz TV Scandal Rate Comment Subscribe and always tell a friend because they may not know there's a podcast. So again go to iTunes. So uh, piggybacking off of the Hollis kidnapping situation Huck and Quinn took the opportunity to make their relationship or their friendship a little stronger. And Huck had uh, the chance to continue training uh, Quinn with, I guess, making her, making her a mini him, if you, if you will. So the beginning scene with them, it started with Huck and Quinn in the car and they were trailing the CIA director. And when they were trailing the director, um, Huck was asking Quinn certain questions and it basically came back around to, them going well him taking them to olivia's apartment um but throughout this whole scene and you know scenes um through the whole episode huck and quinn built a a very interesting relationship and it kind of started with quinn suggesting that huck find a new family so my question when did when did huck tell quinn about his other family. I was thinking the exact same thing, and it wasn't until you were just recapping right now that I realized it's just showing that off camera they've been talking. Because I thought the same exact thing. I go, nobody knew. That's why with Cocaine Girl, it was such an intimate moment that he shared that piece of information, right? So I think it just shows that off camera, like they've really actually been having conversations beyond simply, quote unquote, being gladiators and being, you know, members of Pope and Associates, that they're really starting to connect. And that it shows that Quinn also on some levels has forgiven him. Because in essence, by by wanting him to get his family back, that means she wants him to have some semblance of normalcy and she doesn't want him to suffer anymore. So I think that it, it shows so many things specific, specifically with their relationship. And I'll be a dork. I really do like the hashtag Huckleberry Quinn. It's cute. I think it's cute. But I was like fighting it. Yeah, up. I was fighting it for a long time. But I, I definitely think that the, the hashtag, I'm not saying the coupling, mm-hmm. but I'm saying that the hashtag. Well, yeah, when you, when you do the, the hashtag, you know, the two of them say, Together, it comes off as like very coupley, and to me, they're not a coupley. It's like it's like it's like older, kind of crazy, dysfunctional big brother and little sister. Is it because throughout this whole training exercise, especially towards the end, if you compare the scene in the car with Quinn and Huck, I mean mm-hmm. Quinn and Huck, and you compare the scene in the car to Huck and Cocaine Girl, 
sharing that intimate moment and mm-hmm. being outside of that family for Huck with Cocaine Girl was his form of kind of saying, I love you. I trust you. Ugh, I hope that don't so happen. So is it his way of saying to Huck, listen, girl, <laughs> okay, I'm trying to make this move on you and I have a different interest in you? Or was it strictly big brother or big big brother, little sister? My fingers are crossed. I hope it's big brother, little sister, because I don't want them together like that. Why not? Okay, Bam and see, it's, it's, so, it's, so, it's so funny the fact that, that Bam <laughs> keeps scrunching up his face because, again, let's go back to season one when, you know, she's getting ready for her date and he's like, and, you know, she's on the phone or whatever and he's like, and she's like, you're weird. And he's like, and he goes, you're weird. And she goes, you're weird. Like, that's, that's cute because, again, especially right. with, with Hawk, it's about being seen. And for Hawk especially, it's about for him to actually be a little bit weird, but for someone to understand his world. That's why he was he let Cocaine Girl in so quickly. So not only is it the car ride and them talking, not only is it him actually schooling on her how to be more like him, but even in that space in his little closet— like, she was getting happy. Like, nobody goes into his world and sits at his chair, right? And I can't recall who it was, but th- there was a previous episode this season when someone sat in his chair and he looked at them like, are you crazy? Was it Abby? Yeah. I think yeah. Abby yeah. sat at the chair and saw the note right. about David. Yeah, yeah, and she knows better. Like, that's sacred space. for her. So for him to basically allow her to sit there, I think that's a level of intimacy. Now, am I saying a little level of intimacy in terms of a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. But I definitely think that there's something intimate going on there that's different than what it was before. I just think visually, I don't, I don't like them together as like that. That's just my personal opinion. That's I all. get it. Yeah. Well, throughout their training towards the end of the episode, like I said, Quinn uh, was on the phone with her dad calling her father, leaving him messages for his birthday. He didn't respond. She said she left him 10 messages and, you know, she just wants to talk to him. Huck saw that and later at the end of the episode, he took her to a family and she was like oh you know you found a family and it was him it was her like a little girl her and a dad so i i thought it, i thought it was a cute moment and again while it was happening i was like wait is he trying to but when when he um when he overheard the conversation that quinn was having with the dad to me that felt like a big brother moment looking after his little sister so that's just my my opinion and I yeah, just, I guess, yeah, you know. So I see both sides. Like, I know, the, I agree. That, I'm still making yeah, that. That was that was a brother sister moment. But the you're weird, you're weird, you're weird. That's a different. You know, it's so. I guess in all, I guess in essence, I see both moments where it's kind of like brother sister, and then it's kind of like you know. I'm still gonna make a boyfriend, prediction, or an early prediction. There's still gonna be something. I agree. There, there, it, 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 it has to. Mm-hmm. It, it, it may not come to fruition, but something is going to happen where there's going to be a line in the sand where someone has to be like, I don't like you like that or I don't like you like that. But it's coming. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It, mm-hmm. it, it's definitely come to a head. Oh. Yeah. So I touched on it before, but when Quinn and Huck were chasing the CIA director, um, that took him, the CIA director, Osborne, to Olivia's apartment. Jake was at home watching, of course, on, you know, the big screen. (sighs) When the situation went down, Olivia hid some things in her apartment. Jake saw that, but then he didn't see anything else because the cameras went off. That seemed to spark an interest in Jake. And then what did you guys think about think about that? Because that set him on a path. Explain that to me, because I was looking down and then all of a sudden I saw 
I saw it the this the, the monitor say signal. So I was unsure it's, did did he do that out of respect or Oh hell no. no. That wouldn't be respectful. That, was, that, that wouldn't was, be that also did let me back up. I apologize. That would not be respectful. The the he knows that that guy could possibly be the mole because he knows first of all that he's the director of the CIA. When mm-hmm. Olivia gave him the information, she specifically said you cannot take it to the CIA. Jake is a smart man. So Jake, then how because they again, debug the it, apartment. It seemed to me the CIA director. He, if he is who he is, and he's uh, yeah, the head of the CIA, mm-hmm. he came into that that apartment. He didn't want anybody to know what they were talking about. He knew she's Olivia Pope. That seemed like a debug situation. Yeah, they've mm-hmm. they've uh, like a they, jammer. You yeah. know, when you have a jammer, when you turn yeah. on the jammer, that's mm-hmm. what they had completely. Gotcha. Yeah, meaning so that Olivia still has no clue. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So that happened. Jake, that sparked Jake's interest. Throughout the episode, you know, you see the back and forth with Jake and Olivia like usual. They were uh, talking about uh, going out again. Jake wanted to meet up. She had things to do. But I feel like I'm missing something. Hold on. Jake reviewed the tape, the package. Later on, he broke into Olivia's apartment. And he went directly to the place where she hid the flash drive because mm-hmm. he went back and looked at the footage and and noticed that she had put something in kind of like a little vase or little little jar or something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so what did you guys think at that moment did you think that jake was doing something to spite olivia or did you think he was doing just being nosy because i was no I was it, it's funny it's it, for me it was the exact opposite because remember just to, to, to jump back real quick um, Fitz basically at the beginning of the episode told Jake that he needed further intel, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that Jake, for multiple reasons, was very respectful not to give up Olivia, right? But the president of the United States of America is basically telling you, like, I need more information. So in a weird way, even though initially my gut kind of went like, oh, my God, I can't believe he's doing this. That's what Olivia Pope and Associates does, Dude, yeah. right? So theoretically, his client is the president. So his his tactics are very similar to Pope and Associates, right? Even in the terms of the personal and the business. So he's on the phone with Olivia basically being like, hey, let's meet for lunch, knowing where she is and knowing she's going to say no. So he basically is like, okay, cool, like when you're back at your house. And then he opens the door to her house. Uh, yeah, so I, I really think that he was just doing his job. At that moment, I then came to realize that I was completely wrong. <laughs> but at that moment in time, I I simply thought he was doing his job, you know, on behalf of the president of the United States. Right. So he gives the entire package to Fitz. Mm-hmm. Fitz. He then tells Fitz, Osborne is, is the, the mole. mole. Mm-hmm. Now, when that happened. Until the end of the episode, I was thinking, oh, he really wants to protect Olivia. He knows she can't say anything and she's working really hard to try to get the information out. Oh, he's doing it for her. We see otherwise. Well, you know what? Now, and it's and it's totally up to you guys. I actually let's go back before we go yeah. forward because let's really talk about that scene when you know you see and especially whenever Olivia is getting ready to go out, especially not with the person who shall not be named. Mm-hmm. She always looks so amazing and so beautiful, right? So she's in that white dress and she's putting her shoes on, and the phone rings and she's like, "Cyrus, I can't talk to you right now," right? And Cyrus is basically like their normal banter. He's like, "Oh, I was thinking a nice cab." Maybe a Merlot, because that's their thing, right? Like <laughs> he comes over because that's his work wife. Like you know what I mean? Like he mm-hmm. he's missing his work wife, right? And after last episode, they're they're friends again. You know mm-hmm. that's kind of like his olive brand. And she's like, well, I can't because. And he basically pauses for a minute, like <laughs> he says, "Why is everyone cheating on me?" Right? Yeah. And then she immediately goes, "Jake," you know what I mean? Or no, not not Jake. What's his? 
James. James. No, James. I apologize, James. And she goes, no. And then she realizes it's it's Fitz. But I think that was, was really, really telling for Olivia. And I literally was extremely happy. And she was like, I'm jumping in, right? Isn't that what she said? Yeah, she says, I'm jumping, you know, I'm, um, I'm getting, uh... This is me jumping in. Yeah. Right? And, I think, and she says it twice. And so basically, and she even says, and this shows that Olivia has great instincts. She says, I don't even know this guy yet. She goes, something about it feels off. Right? Mm-hmm. But she goes, but given my track record... She basically is saying, I'm doubting myself, right? So so I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because on one level, I was very excited that she just was jumping in because she's never spontaneous. On another level, I think that that line was very important because what it was showing is that Olivia is no longer trusting her gut. Mm-hmm. Why? Same thing from season one. She's not trusting her gut because of fits. Because Fitz has made her doubt her moral compass. So instead of simply, and I'm, and I'm making it way easier than it really is, Regardless of how Fitz is acting now, and regardless of whether or not he's married, regardless of any of that, that does not negate what you had, right? And there are certain moments with certain people, you don't need validation. Does that make sense? Like, energy is energy. When two atoms, like, you know, make a bomb, you don't need to be able to, like, actually write down the the mathematical equation of why it happened. All you know that there was an explosion, right? And it was powerful. That's Olitz. I think that now because of how Fitz is so hurt and Fitz is saying all of these things, she's now negating the totality of their relationship. She shouldn't do that. She needs to isolate the two things. But because she is literally thinking that the entire relationship was a sham, now that means she can't trust her gut. But isn't that what happens kind of in every relationship? Think about it. Let's say you have a boyfriend and you, you know, you guys broke up. You had some good times, but you had some bad times. Or girlfriend, bam, sorry. Um, When you meet the new guy, you start to think, maybe that last dude really wasn't all that. And he did. He was talking about me. And I don't know. I knew I shouldn't have picked him because my, my friend said he was this. You know, you always, you always question what you used to have, have when what you can have is in front of you. I mean, it's just, it's it's human nature. But I think you're right, Sophia. Fitz seems to be the only person in her in her life that makes her question. Because she doesn't question her good at work when it comes to dealing with people. She didn't question her good when Hollis strolled in the office mm-hmm. and she wanted to, you know, handle the case. She never has a problem with herself mm-hmm. in any situation except relationships. I, I do have some stuff that I want to say about Olivia and Jay because, you know, I can't keep quiet about that. But what I thought was interesting is when Cyrus, first Olivia said, you know, she asked, she asked uh, Cyrus, how is he doing? And, and Fitz, uh, um, he alluded to the fact that, you know, he's getting advice from someone else. Oh, who is it? Oh, you don't know him. They're gonna have their they're gonna have their their wine talk at some point, and it's gonna and it's gonna come to the truth will be revealed that Cyrus is gonna reveal you know some dude named Jake blah 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 Jake what for real so, so I I'm I can't wait for that to happen and even when he said that because Olivia knows her way around Washington when he said you don't know him if you dropped his name and just said it like mm. oh he's Jake mm-hmm. the director of of Intel. Olivia should have, have not, he should yeah. have assumed she is familiar with that name, not necessarily know him personally. So when he said it, it was kind of like, say the name. She's going to, even but then, but I, no, but let's back up again. Whenever they repeat lines, it's, it's very, very deliberate. She said first, 
you don't know him. Mm. He then said, then that's when she asked the question. And then he basically said the same line. Again, they're basically both very similar because they're both very discreet, even with one another. Even though there's moments when the lines get blurred with them, they're very discreet. Number two, it's the same person. Mm -hmm. So it was was meant to show that they're both a little shady, right? Because again, same thing. Olivia has a small world. There is, hold on a second. There is literally only... 1% 1% of the population of Washington, D.C. that would be appropriate for Olivia Pope to date in the same way that there's only 1% of the population of the District of Columbia that potentially could be getting information from Fitz, who is not Cyrus. I, would, I wouldn't say that they're shady. I didn't say they're shady. I said they're discreet. I heard shady. I heard you say shady. Oh, did I say shady? Uh, I said discreet. You, well, okay. Oh, well, I, I'm, I'm going to correct what yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> I, I, I meant to say that they're both discreet. Yeah, gotcha. Um, Bam, you you said you had some stuff about Olivia and Jake. I I don't care. Emil, you're not here. I don't care what you say. Jake is not creepy. He's got swag and he played her like a deck of cards. He that is swag. The Listen, way that's uh, that's swag. I, I don't would, care what you say. I would I would say the situation he, with Jake. Okay, so let let, let me kind of give a uh, uh, a description. Jake came to the apartment after Olivia got off the phone with Cyrus and she changed her mind. She was calling him on his way there and he said, I saw you calling me and I, that's why I didn't answer. He opened the door. She had her house clothes on. Right. And no, that's why he ignored the call. That's why he ignored it. Um, she had her house clothes on and he came in. The situation that happened between them when he he gave her the, uh, the speech and said, whatever happened to you, I'm pretty much your do-over. Mm-hmm. Close your eyes. If he weren't Jake, like if I would not have seen what I saw at the end of this episode, I'd be like, yeah, he got swag. But now that I know he's a cold piece and Jake is getting my cold piece of the week uh, nomination for this episode. Doyle gets mine, but okay. Good point. If if I wouldn't have seen that, I'd be like, yeah, Jake is smooth. Because I was liking him up until I found out that he was a cold piece. But now I'm kind of off. But it was smooth what he did with Olivia. But it yeah. was very smooth. Okay, and, but I, Bam, I actually disagree with you. Okay. And I agree with part of what you said, Camelia. I was actually loving the conversation. I loved how... Specifically, he basically was like, you know, I like the way that you say what. Yes. He goes, He goes, but you're sad. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I think he really saw her because I think very few people take time to kind of really see Olivia. And he wasn't saying it from a place of judgment. He was saying it from a place of just matter of fact. But then he also said, but I really like how you you know yourself, you know who you are and you fix everyone around you. Right. So that's a very endearing quality. Right. And then I I like the fact that he basically is like, no, close your eyes. Like, basically, like, you're literally going to get a do-over. Like, you cl- you close your eyes and you open them and the world maybe will be less sad. I was I was feeling it. When they kissed, I literally said out loud, I was like, gladiators are going <laughs> to... I like how he calls me out, right? I like how he calls me out. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got caught in the moment. So, um, I really was like, oh, my God. Like, Fitz is going to have real serious competition. But then when he said... Are you thinking about, are you still thinking about him? Right? Because that's what he said after he kissed her. And she goes, no. And then he walks out. Nah, dude. That's not, time out. Okay. And then we're going to have a, right? I'm getting better at this not interrupting. So we're going to, (laughs) whatever. And I'm going to wrap it up. Um, I think that for me, it's your definition of swag. 
And I think that we at this table have oftentimes butted heads because, and I'm going to, you can correct me if I'm wrong. There is a difference between swag to me, which is disrespectful versus swag that is respectful. To me, the end of the scene was disrespectful because then that's a power play deliberately utilizing and getting in and reaching into that emotion of giving her some semblance of hope. Kissing her and then being like, good night, Olivia, which, as you could see on her face, left her even more vulnerable. That, to me, isn't swag. Don't play with someone's heart and their emotion unless you're willing to take care of it. Seriously. Otherwise, we keep it, like, cool. We keep it gully, like, you cute, I'm cute, and we keep it pushing. But you don't reach in, and that's what he was doing. He was reaching in, got it, and then was like, all right, cool, because now I got it. I can do whatever I want with it. That's not an equal playing field. To me, that's not swagger. It reminded me, this is... A little off topic of the of the movie Two Can Play That Game. Mm-hmm. And Two Can Play That Game, the whole point was changing the dynamic of emotions. Mm-hmm. Where he came in, Olivia thought she was in control. He took control and walked out and left her wanting more from him. That's I agree what, with Sophia. Though. That's what you as that's what you're supposed to do. No, no, bam. <laughs> I agree with Sophia to the point. Up until he walked out, it was like, oh. Like, I was like, oh, that's it? Yeah, that's it. I didn't want them to have sex or anything, but I wanted there to be an understanding between them. He needed to give her, he needed to give her just a little, just a little what I call just a tea not to taste, just a little bit to, to keep her intrigued. Because she already she already revealed that there's another person that is on her mind. So the way to 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 get to her to ensure that there's a possibility between the two, you have to. I mean, it, you guys think it's a game, but from my perspective, I think what he he did that he did what he did what what. I would have done. I would have done the same thing, especially if I'm after if I like if I like a girl who is already has admitted that there's somebody that is still on her mind. Like you either walk away or you have to slowly get her to to trust you and to you know, you know what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. I but, get what you're saying. So do you think, Bam, if she would not have gave, given him the speech that said I'm pretty much still thinking about my other dude? I think about him all the time. I was thinking about him before you got here. If she would not have said that Mm -hmm. and he would have came in, kissed her and left, would you feel the same way? No, because I don't think he would have did that. What if he did? (laughs) I'm just, okay. I don't don't think he would have did that. He did that based off of of what she did, of what she said. So it was kind of like he had to, he had to kind of come hard. And so that's why he, that's why he said, you know, um, you know, I like the way you say what on the phone, you're always wearing white, you know, wine is, is a part of your food group. Just saying simple things to let her know, like I'm listening, I'm paying attention. I know what's going on. I care. And so you don't never... You don't never just go in for the full, you know, tongue. You just give just a little bit to kind of keep. Tongue. You just give her just a little bit to just kind of <laughs> make her just kind of like, oh, wow. I'm making the yucky face. <laughs> Sophia's yucky face. So we can keep going about this. So let's let's move on. Gladiators, let us know what you think about the Olivia and Jake um, relationship. Close and, your eyes. Yeah, because it, it was juicy for a minute. Um, but we got to keep going. So. Let's backtrack to Jake and Fitz. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning, Jake met with Fitz. And like we said before, Fitz is pretty much telling Jake, 
based on the stuff, that, the information that you gave me, it was really good. If you keep doing this, we might have to find you a seat at the table. I'm putting it into scandal terms, a seat at the table. Um, Jake, do you guys think that's what Jake really wants? Or do you think he's fine with playing his position as the outsider, but knowing what's going on on the inside? I'm 50-50. Prior to the end, the end of the episode, I thought that he was literally simply just like happy to be there. Like I really, I was really that naive. Like I, I really wasn't seeing the ne- next steps coming at all. Obviously, fast forwarding to the end of the episode, I'm like, oh no, that's exactly what he's doing. As well as the fact that, and now it's like it's all so clear. It's actually irritating. Again, we don't know how long he's actually been bugging Olivia. Yeah. <laughs> right. So he could be 100 percent privy and knowledgeable about OLEDs. So he's completely playing them. Like he's even playing fit in reference to Olivia to keeping him to keep him on edge. So I think I think he knows exactly what he's doing. And technically he's playing David too because the flash drive that Olivia had in her laptop and that she hid was planted in David's apartment by Wendy who died who was murdered. Mm -hmm. So somehow he got the flash drive to Wendy or whoever, mm-hmm. it was put into David's office. He knew David and Olivia were connected and somehow that it was going to get back to Olivia from David. Like, Jake, based on that, he's been watching her for a long time, just mm-hmm. like Sophia said, and, which is, is turning, it's, it's, it's creepy. Jake is creepy. I'm Bam, you said he was creepy. Jake is creepy. But anyway, so... Jake and Fitz's relationship, like we said, towards the end, we see what's happening. Now, do you think Cyrus is going to be, is going to get a little hip to what's going on? Because when Cyrus, when uh, the CIA director walked into Cyrus's office and he was telling Cyrus, I'm not the mole, I'm not the mole. For a minute, it looked like Cyrus kind of believed him. Oh, absolutely. Cyrus believed. I, I think Cyrus believed him. Did you guys think? Okay, see, I'm going to go one worse. Okay. I thought it was Cyrus. <laughs> no, seriously. Like, when I was watching, because his demeanor was so that he obviously believed that this guy was not the mole. How would he know that? Was, it, it, I literally was like, I was like, I literally was like, are you kidding me? Is Cyrus the mole? Well, that's, because yeah, I, 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 was, I was thinking that too, but that's why I think Cyrus believed that, that, um, that, um, Osborne was not the mole, right? Because it was a guilty conscience, like, oh shoot, right? But yeah. at the same time, uh, we had Billy, not Billy, um, Charlie, Charlie is investigating Jake, Jake. for Cyrus. Right. So, is there? I I kind of want while this is happening to Cyrus for Cyrus to simultaneously find out the truth about Jake while we're seeing it unfold as well. I agree because mm-hmm. now that Cyrus is looped in, one thing that you you don't want to do. It is loop Cyrus into a situation where he was wrong, where he took Fitz's advice or, you know, took some information from Fitz and is wrong because Cyrus is the one that is supposed to give Fitz the good information. You know, their dynamic has always been the other way around. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want Cyrus to find out about Jake. before everyone else so he can handle it and Mm -hmm. I want to see how he handles it. But this is is the problem is and I and I this is the thing is. Because of this new fit, he is being, like, to me, a president with swagger. 
So even to me, the way that he handled Cyrus, right? So Cyrus goes again to Charlie, which I'm always uncomfortable when I see Charlie. So he goes to Charlie basically to investigate Jake. Um, Charlie brings him back some intel, and he basically, you know, goes directly into the president's office. And for the first time in a long time, we see old Cyrus, right? Because we see old Cyrus leaning into the president and giving him a monologue like he normally does. Mm-hmm. He asked him one question. He didn't even want him to answer. That, to me, is Cyrus setting Cyrus up to be like, I'm about to school you on some stuff, mm-hmm. okay? Cyrus then goes basically like, you probably did things that can't go in your memoirs, but it basically saved the republic, right? Just like what I did in, in Ohio, right? And he goes on and on and on, and it is basically, and it was very, very clear that history dictates heroes and villains, right? So again, it's that whole ends justifies the means, thinking ahead, not being so emotionally attached to things. At the end of that, that's basically when Fitz stands up, right? And again, Fitz's entire posture, this latter half of season two, is very different. Fitz is usually very relaxed. His shoulders almost roll down. He stands up and then says, sit down, right? Mm -hmm. Again, Cyrus is his pit bull. So let's just put this all into perspective. Again, he tells him to sit. Cyrus sits. He then discloses the information about Osborne. To me... Fitz was doing that like, I'm going to give him a little bone, right? He riled up again. I'm going to give him a little bone so that he thinks maybe we're on the same page again. But he was angling him because, again, what did Cyrus do? When Osborne came in, even though his gut told him, I don't think it's Osborne, what did he say? He goes, the president has decided, not I, not we, the president has decided. So that means he's a little bit unsure, which is unlike Cyrus, and he goes, and I serve at the behest, right, or something of that nature, of the president. That, to me, is very telling because, to me, I think this is going to be the first time, and I'm making another prediction, where I think Cyrus is really going to start to basically be like, yeah, me and the president, we're, we're not aligned. Like, I think before he was trying to get in his good graces, mm-hmm. I think Cyrus is about to take a new, a new, a new tactic. See, I took the conversation, let's back it up. I mm-hmm. took the conversation between Cyrus and Fitz a little different. I saw that, well, Cyrus, Fitz got put in his place two times, in my opinion, in this episode. Once by Cyrus and once by Melly. And then what I say, when I say put in his place by Cyrus, Cyrus came in the room like he was pretty much over it. He mm-hmm. said, what happened you know, when you were in overseas in the military and Fitz was like, you're not going to be questioning me. <laughs> and he pretty much ran down everything that he assumed that happened. He ran down how it, you know, is something that he can't really talk about and he probably doesn't want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And it, could t- it could tarnish his reputation. And he said he, he made the correlation between, yeah, just like we did with defiance. So to me, Cyrus was saying, you have skeletons. We have skeletons. Your skeletons are to protect you. Our skeletons are to protect you. Yeah. So. And we said last week mm-hmm. that we was waiting for Cyrus to stick your chest out, get bold, and speak up and stop being so uh, timid with the president. Exactly. And, and I liked when he did that because it was about time that somebody said to Fitz, yeah, we did what we did. So. But, st- but you did what you did, and you tried, to, and you didn't want anybody to know about it. You know about us, and we did it for you. So what are you going to do now? And then when Fitz got up from the table and asked Cyrus to sit down, I took that as Fitz being like, "Okay, checkmate." Like you know, right. as, as, like 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 when when brothers get into a fight, mm-hmm. 
And after a while, you can't fight anymore. You're like, all right, cool. Let's, and, let's now let's talk. And quite as kept, you know, <laughs> Cyrus has one fits as two because you know he actually he did kill what's her name, Verna. So that's two to one. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And if Cy if the, if Cyrus knew about Verna, it, it would be. I think Cyrus would have came in a little. He probably would have came in the room yelling, like just for the simple fact that not that he's mad that he killed Verna. But Fitz was mad at Olivia, Hollis, Cyrus, and Melly Mm -hmm. from a sense of betrayal, but kind of like he had nothing to hide himself, like like very innocent, like like very like like he felt really betrayed, but like he's never done dirt. And I was glad to see that Cyrus, you know, came to him the way he did. What do you what do you think, Sophia? Um, I think also too we're forgetting about Amanda Tanner. Oh, oh, that's, oh. Yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why whenever Cyrus says things like "I've done things too," it wasn't just it wasn't just defiance. He's basically like, "I've gone to war. Like my war may not have been whatever." And he uses defiance as like the the thing that covers everything. But I do agree with you. I I do think that at that moment, you know, Fitz was really thinking to them, himself like, "Okay, maybe we've gotten this. We've kind of gotten over this, right?" Because at first he was like, "How dare you!" Like basically, you know, say that Remington is the same as defiance, but. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to kind of sit on this one, but I definitely think that there's going to be a new... Fitz and Cyrus's relationship is never going to be the same, mm-hmm. and I think that the only way that it can get back on track is Cyrus needs to stop coddling Fitz, and he needs to come, not necessarily from his old ways, because that didn't work, but he needs to come from a more aggressive posture, even if he doesn't show that side to Fitz. Because Fitz is going off the rails, because in the same way that I thought, oh, it's great intel, it's not. And again, and this is the problem is, the source of the intel was Olivia. This isn't going to be good. Mm. Right. Yeah. Right? It's bad intel. And the intel came from Olivia. I agree. But will this uh, make Fitz think that it's not necessarily bad intel, but you need Olivia in more ways than any. More ways than just emotionally. I mean, I, I think he knows that. I think that's that's the root of the problem. That's the problem. Like that is the problem. Like in the same way that she basically was like, you know, it just took like mentioning his name, right? She always knows that she thinks about him. But in that same way that you know that speech that she gave to Abby, you have to you have to keep yourself busy. Exercise helps. You have to make yourself hate them. You have to convince yourself that they hate you. That first part she's already done. Right? Because she already believes that Fitz hates her. For her, she can't hate Fitz, but she has to busy herself in such a way. But at that moment, she couldn't help herself. And she's like, how is he? And that's when Cyrus, being her friend and Cyrus, was like, yo, like, you have a date. Like, you know what I mean? Like, move on. Like, you, you have to, right? But she's always thinking about him. Obviously, Fitz is always thinking about her. Mm-hmm. Always. And I think that's the problem. And I think that's why the scene with Melly is so telling because it did destroy his whole world. Like, he has no one. That was the only person that he had. And I can't believe I'm going to make this. Sorry, I'm a dork. But it's like, just, oh, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Justin Timberlake's mirror, right? <laughs> but it's like the whole concept is like, I see you in me, right? Because when you're really in an intimate relationship, that's how you gauge who you are. And for Fitz and Olivia, that's what he's always done. He's gauged himself, how intelligent he is, how articulate he is, how presidential he is based on Olivia, right? Because he deems Olivia as this amazingly powerful woman. So only this amazingly powerful woman could love her counterpart, Right? 
So that means it's a mirror image of her. The minute, think about it, he saw Olivia as quote-unquote not wearing the white hat, he then immediately stopped wearing the white hat, right? They're very much mirroring each other. And I think that he can't, he can't stand that she has that much control over him, despite the fact that in his mind he should only hate her. So even if he does hate her, the love is still is still there so much that it doesn't allow the hate to diminish. Because hate actually means you still love someone. Right. Yeah. Indifference is the opposite of love, not hate. Right. So let's uh, jump to Melly and Fitz. Mm-hmm. Throughout the episode, Melly was... She seemed a little uneasy about Fitz wanting to spend time with his children. She, you know, she checked the calendar and she was, you know, like, what, what's going on? We need to try to change this. She was trying to juggle his schedule around to <clears throat> make it so Fitz wouldn't have time to hang out with his children. She finally switched the calendar. She finally switched things around. It got back to Fitz. He called Melly in and he was very angry with her. He was basically like, um... You 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 cancel my kid's trip. Um, you you don't have a mother gene. You know, he basically he tried to, you know, come at Melly and put everything on her in regards to not wanting to spend time with the kids. And that's when Melly finally came out and told him. She said, Fitz. I think I have part of it. You want me to read yeah, part of ahead. it? They didn't want to come. You are different. You're different. Ever since They know their father is not their father. You are lubricated all the time. And when you're lubricated, you're mean. Um, And then she goes, yeah, I know. I know I'm a villainous bitch. She goes, but I'm still their mom. I haven't changed. And then, and I wish I had gotten this better, but she basically goes, ever since you realized, (laughs) basically she goes, basically that, Olivia's private parts are no longer magical. I wish I had gotten the quote. Please tweet me the exact quote for that reference that that Bellamy Young so beautifully delivered. And she basically goes, do you know who you are? And we all knew what she was going to say. And we all knew also, too, that the last time Jerry was referenced, what happened? And she goes, you're big Jerry. And she goes, you don't have a good side. You should understand how your children feel considering how much you hated your dad. Bam. Okay. I'm gonna jump on the other before I jump on on jump on the other side. The only thing that bothered me about Fitz is those are your kids. So call them. Yeah. Call your kids. You are the president of the United States. Call while they're at school. You could when that when 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 the school calls and it's the president of the United States, whether if you in gym, if you in English they're going to stop what you're doing here. Go talk to your dad. But I don't, but I don't think I understand your point. My, okay, I'm going to get to okay. that. My, he, he, if he was upset that, you know, he was upset with Melly because, because of how he, canceled, how he canceled the trip. I'm just saying that as a father, if it was that important to you, call your kids. But from the kid's standpoint, if you hate your dad, you can't tell dad that you hate him. So he could have called them, but, no, but they wouldn't have said that. I know, but I'm just I'm just saying I'm just saying that if if he really 
if it if it really concerned him, I just wondered like but I, how can we never how? But I, I think I think though it's 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 literally there in Melly's conversation with him. Mm. Fitz is no longer Fitz. Right. Fitz is actually just like she said, he's being big Jerry. So he's he's literally dialing it in. So it's so much easier for him to blame Melly mm. than to potentially pick up the phone and either talk to his kids or you're the president of the United States of America uncancel it. Mm-hmm. It's very much his self-loathing and his poor, poor me, I'm the victim, and so I'm going to blame my wife for everything instead of calling his kids because he's no longer the father he used to be. So meaning the father he used to be yeah. would have called his kids because he would have never gotten this far removed from them for them to, to hate him. And not just to hate him, mm-hmm. but to literally to have to seek solace in Melly of all people. And he, she pointed out and during the speech how the daughter hated tennis. Mm-hmm. Last time she played tennis, he made it goofy and fun. But this last time, you know, the most recent time, he just yelled at her. Um, and when she was saying all these things, I was thinking she was Big Jerry. Because I said a couple episodes, I, I was thinking he was just like his dad. I said a couple episodes, Fitz is turning into his dad. Mm-hmm. It's just unfortunate now that the kids are involved and it trickled down to them. And I'm glad they brought the kids up because, you know, we were always saying, where are the kids? Yeah. Yeah. They kind of gave a, a, an ex- explanation why they're not there because... Because they hate fits. Mm-hmm. But I think that I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on the side that I that I meant to jump on a couple minutes ago. Fitz Melly has to take some responsibility in this because the reason that Fitz has become this whole crazy tick to boom type type of person is because of what they did to him. I disagree. I it's t- because of yeah. what Olivia did. And that's the irony. Think about it. That's why Technically, up in, before before Melly messed up with the um with making the phone call to the to the family of the hostages, mm-hmm. him and Melly were like tight. Why? Because Melly did exactly what Melly did. Melly has said season one, season two, every single episode. I have not changed. I will say this again and again and again. Melly is one of the most transparent characters. She basically is like, you know, I'm here. No, seriously. She's like, I'm here because I want to be in the White House. I'm here because I want a seat at the table. You tell me I can't have a seat at the table, I'm finding a way to get a seat at the table. Yes, I rigged, rigged defiance. Even think about it, the way she told him was so matter of fact. Like, yes, we rigged defiance, whatever, whatever, cool, get over it. She had to bring up Olivia because basically what she was saying is you can keep sulking over defiance, but it's not defiance you're sulking over. You're sulking because Olivia was part of it. If, if you had taken Olivia out of the equation, we would not have had this meltdown. If he found out about defiance and it was simply Verna Hollis, um, uh, um, um, Cyrus, and Melly, mm-hmm. we would not have a breakdown. The breakdown came because Olivia was aligned with people that he thought were villains, and she wore the white hat, and they should never be at the same table together, let alone that basically there was this huge secret that he never let her in on, that she never let him in on. That's the issue, and oh. I think that's why I had to be brought up in the conversation. Okay, damn it. Okay, I have to take back. You're right. So do you guys think that it's going to provoke this conversation between Melly and Fitz is going to provoke a change in Fitz? Because he put the brown water down. Shout out to Emil for naming <sighs> the yak the brown water. He put the brown water down, and he was, he was, he was butthurt. It was a, he. She slapped him in the face. Like I like I like to say, when a dog is bad, you gotta bat the dog on the nose or put him in the bathroom for ten minutes alone, so mm-hmm. they won't do it again. Fitz looked like that bad dog, and it seems like there may be a change in his attitude going forward, which I, I hope is the is the case. I definitely think so because I think she touched on two very important things for the dynamic of I think who he is as a man. I think more. I think he's been 
like literally striving his whole life not to be his father. Mm -hmm. So I think that was an extremely important part. And I think that he prides himself on being such an amazing father. It's still tied to Big Jerry, but I think that at that moment, when not only to know that Melly was right, but to know how far removed he's become from himself, that his own children don't want to spend time with him, and that they're, again, that they're they're seeking solace in their mother, who is the cold hands the baby off with the sanitary wipes. I I think that, I think that he has no choice if, or else he's not the fit who they all conspire to get elected. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And I don't think they were all wrong. I think that at the root, they were, they were correct in believing that he was that guy, that he was that special. I mean, and he got the two wake up calls that we've been saying that he needed. He needed to hear about, um, he needed to hear from Cyrus what he heard, and then he needed to be confronted about his drinking issue. So that, yeah, you're right. So, before we wrap it up, Jake being the mole. Jake is Jake the mole now. Because you saw throughout the whole episode, he was doing things and it looked like he was you know, getting this information for, the, you know, trying to help out Olivia. Or was he trying to help out Fitz? Was he, you know, wearing, was he wearing the white hat trying to be the good guy and make sure that the, the CIA mole was, you know, was exposed? But as you saw, he was on the park bench with the guy discussing the CIA director's apparent suicide, which was not a suicide. It was written. Yeah, it was up. it was set up. So who is Jake? Who is he? Because, you know, this whole time we were thinking he was just this creepy guy working for Fitz and, you know, he he had he had good intentions. Oh, he's cute. But now he's a murderer. And what else? What else has he been involved well, in well, besides this? Well, to me, he's, he's also a double murderer. To me, like I think it's very easy for us to say that he killed Wendy. Yeah, so oh, he yeah. killed Wendy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He killed the um, Osborne. I think more importantly is who's the guy that he met with. That's my question, right? Yeah. Okay. Because obviously he's taking direction from somebody. So that kind of scares me. And it's like I'm really probably this entire weekend going to go back and watch the entire season two to see if we've seen that gentleman before. Because we probably we may we I I don't recall that we have, but we may have. And if we have, I don't, whoever he is is telling. To potentially who the mole is. I don't think we've seen him before because I know his name. He was an equal with uh, Lorenz Tate. His he name was, is he Joe, was the dad. Joe, okay. Joe Morton. Okay. So the question is, what is Jake trying to gain? And Gladiators, chime in and let us know. Tweet us. We'll be tweeting. What is Jake trying to gain? Because if he's the director of Intel, he got the CIA director out of here. They killed him. He, what does, what does he want? I don't know. We'll is see. he the mole? I don't know. I well, you the only talk. the only thing is is that I actually don't know. But to me, what was sloppy is having the director of the CIA shoot himself in Rock Creek Park. I know I watch way too many TV shows, but someone like that would shoot himself in the privacy of his own home w- with a note. Like it's just not that's yeah. like uh, that's outside of character. Like do you know what I mean? Especially yeah. if you're embarrassed or disgraced, yeah. you wouldn't then further disgrace your family to kind of do it in such a public setting. Right. Which to me is why Olivia was like, wait, what? Do you know what I mean? Because even if it was, I think they still would have been alarmed, Mm -hmm. but I think that if it had been in his house, they wouldn't have been so. I think that's kind of where they're going to go with it next episode. And remember in the media state when um, when the guy shot himself in the park and how it was, how someone was videoed, the guy who was bird watching, it's it's sloppy Mm -hmm. because you just never know who in in today's, uh, in 2013, who was watching, who was videoing, same thing. Right. All right, guys. So uh, let's get into uh, 
news and gossip. After Buzz TV News. So we don't really have any particular news except for our favorite part of the show. Shout outs, Sophia. It is definitely my favorite part of the show. And the reason that we do this is because, Gladiators, we so appreciate your comments, your feedback, watching. We especially appreciate when you go onto iTunes and you rate, comment, and subscribe and tell a friend. And we love... We actually really utilize a lot of your comments on YouTube to kind of uh, theorize or how I like to think of um, kind of create my conspiracy wall. So as always, I'm going to start out with iTunes. We have Chili in the Chai. We have Joy8191. We have Nesha B. For Twitter, we have AnonymousBoy03, Brown Beauty 6 Devon Lamar, HeMomMall1, Lamb Gooner Locks, Keisha Miles, South... South L Jazz 90. Yo, that's my fresh. For YouTube, we have Angel YC1, Antenna Clouds, Christine Pembleton, C. Joe J, Davina Lopez, Evan Nisog, Famoons, Fierce Vanessa, Lola6041, Madeline Montuna, Miss123Gen, Pafifi, Taylor S, Tiffany F, TV Girl, and Willem Trevor. So again, Gladiators, thank you so much. We really appreciate the fact that you go on to iTunes, you rate, comment, subscribe. We really appreciate you watching on YouTube and commenting. And we always love that you continue the conversation on Twitter. Thank you, Gladiators. All right, guys. So let's get into some predictions. Oh, I have way too now, many. you're after Buzz TV. Predictions. Predictions. Okay. I don't have predictions. a prediction. I have more of a... I want this to happen, so I have no evidence of it. I want Olivia to find out that Jake is creepy, and I want her to kung fu his. <laughs> Sophia just did the <laughs> No, I just want him oh. to kick his bum. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm really kind of tired of... Olivia not getting to fight back. I feel like Olivia is always so reserved, is always so composed. Mm-hmm. I really want her to be able to take out take out her angst from season one, season two, Puddin' Pop, Fitz, everyone on Creepy Jake. Well, last week I went far-fetched and said that Osborne would kill Quinn. Well, clearly I was wrong because yeah. Osborne's dead. But who was the person who broke into David's house? Good question. That's what I want to know, and oh, it has, it. and it has to be. I, this has been in my notes all day, but because we had already surpassed it, I just let it go, and I said I'll do it for um, for predictions. Who is the guy who was in David's house? How did he not hear David in the keys? Like, so I'm, I'm just who was the guy? And then Cyrus has something to do with this whole Osborne thing. Like, yes, Jay could potentially be the mole, but we can't we can't forget about, you know, Daddy Cyrus because he's a cold piece, too. You know what I think? You know who I think was in David's apartment? I think it was Jake because Jake because according to Jake, he David still had that flash drive and he didn't know Olivia had the flash drive until he saw her put something in that little vase when he was watching her, which is why he was he went over there. And he was like, what is this? Because he didn't find it over uh, David's house. You're right. So it had to be with uh, with Olivia. I think that's who was in David's 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 apartment. Okay. My prediction based on the preview, it looked like Olivia's getting kidnapped and she got put in a box. I don't know. I 
this if something happens to Olivia by the hands of Jake, I want Huck to go straight bananas on him. Because you see how fast Huck got to the door when the CIA, when Osborne got to mm-hmm. yeah. her, her apartment. He was right at the door. He was like, are you okay? I want Huck to go straight Rambo on this guy <laughs> because I'm tired of Olivia. Like Sophia said, I'm tired of her just getting bulldozed over and not her not really being able to do anything. And if she's in a box, she really can't protect herself. Poor thing. <laughs> no, I think we're about to... And I and, Oh, this is my prediction. This is my prediction. The last... Four, so not next episode, but the last four, we're about to see a very different Olivia. I hope we're, so. We're about to see the Olivia that everyone always talks about. The one in with full the tire arm. Completely. The tire that's iron. no, seriously, that's who we're about to see. The last think, four episodes. I think we'll see a different Olivia. I think we're gonna see a different Quinn. There's gonna be some some changes and we're gonna see a different Cyrus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. Yeah. All right, gladiators. Once again, we thank you so much for watching us tonight. Like I said before, this is uh, season two, episode 17, Sneak in the Garden. And we'll see you next week for ABC Scandal. Where can we find TV. you? Oh, you can find me at Cornelia across the board, Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter at Sophia Stanley. And you can now find me on Twitter and Instagram at Big Six Entertainment. There you go. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 